Welcome to another episode of the Bo Sox Crazy Podcast, a regular Red Sox podcast for crazy Red Sox fans. I'm your host, Tony Levitt, coming to you live from my couch in New York City. I know, the land of the devils, but here we are, that's where I live, and we're hosting. We're live now. Let's talk about, we got a few things that happened in the past week and a half. I got a whole podcast written up on yellow legal pad for you guys, ready to roll. However, I need a timeout even before my introductory story because I finally, 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 something has happened. The Brewers went out and signed the two best, arguably, outfield free agents in Lorenzo Cain. Two Canes! And Christian Yelich traded, uh, obviously, a big haul of minor leaguers to the Marlins for him. And... You know, th- this just opens up a whole bunch of uh, uh, new opportunities for us to talk about things, new things. I mean, it's just nice for finally there to be something to talk about. And, and from a Red Sox perspective, I couldn't help but think, you know, the Brewers now have six major league caliber, major league caliber outfielders. And if, for some god godforsaken reason, J.D. Martinez decides he wants to re-sign with the Diamondbacks or go to Japan for the year or take a year off to tend to his mother's garden, whatever it is, if for some reason he decides not to come to the Red Sox, I just happen to wonder now, is there a trade opportunity for us to come in and kind of swoop one of these guys in the Brewers outfield? Obviously, a lot of people are talking about Ryan Braun moving in from left field to first base to create room for Domingo Santana. But if, you know, the Brewers decide that Ryan Braun is just not a, not a first baseman and he needs to stay out in the outfield, you know, Domingo Santana hits the crap out of the ball, hits, makes real good, makes real, real good contact. He was a stack ass darling. And obviously, you know, we still have to fill that DH spot. And if, you know, Domingo Santana were to, you know, say, appear... Uh, and and be available for you know who knows what I haven't quite thought of trade you know packages that might work you know obviously he had the best year of his career last year um, and so it wouldn't you know, it would take more than just nothing to get him to the Red Sox but you know he's an option if you know in a surprising move the Brewers decided that Ryan Braun they were moving on from him obviously you know <laughs> the age wise and talent wise it probably is the move to trade off Ryan Braun but. Given their history and how you know friendly he is with the owner and how tight he is with the organization, and I mean they stood by him with the, through the whole steroids issue. He was suspended. He betrayed them. He lied to them, and they still love him. It seems unlikely to me that the Red Sox would be able to get Ryan Braun. That said, whether it's you know coming in for a low offer on Domingo Santana or even a Brett Phillips, you know, a guy who just came up uh, from the minors last year, nice lefty stroke. I happened to, you know, on my road trip last summer, happened to be at a Brewers game in Milwaukee where Brett Phillips took a Boyardo. Very nice to see. You know, he's got a good stroke. He was a high prospect coming up. I don't know what they're planning to do with this outfield, but if, you know, one of those three guys, Phillips or Braun or Santana kind of comes up and, you know, we can kind of swoop in on a low ball offer, that would be kind of interesting. And after thinking about this, you know, backdoor opportunities to fill the DH spot, you know, obviously we know we have Hanley in-house and he can, you know, fill that DH spot, but 
personally, I don't think, as I've discussed before, I don't think he's going to be that guy to fill, you know, 150, 145 even, you know, uh, games worth of good at-bats. You know, he's probably going to be one of those, you know, 260, 20 to 25, and maybe 80 RBI kind of guys. I just don't think that at this point in his career, he's going to be able to carry that DH spot for us. And so, it's good to be thinking about, you know, other options at the DH. And so, I wonder if, you know, one of these guys who can fall off the tree in the Brewers outfield might, you know, be a low rent option uh, instead of J.D. Martinez if for some reason that doesn't work out. Obviously, Martinez is our number one option and will be the best option, no doubt. But if, you know, that were to fall through, the Brewers would be a, you know, a good place to look. And once this happened, I started thinking about uh, potential other um, opportunities for us to swoop in and, you know, get a free agent on, you know, a smaller deal, certainly, uh, but one who, you know, we could look to uh, to get some production. And I just wondered whether a Todd Frazier, I know he's on the Yankees, uh, or a Mike Moustakis, you know, might be uh, a one or two year option. You know, JD Martinez certainly, again, is our number one option, but, you know, you're going to have to give him that five, five years, 100, 100, 120 plus. Uh, in that contract, and we could potentially, as the offseason goes on, be able to swoop in, get another one-year deal for Mike Moustakas, uh, a one-year deal for Todd Frazier, a guy, both guys who I think would provide some nice pop. Obviously, the all-time uh, home run, uh, single-season home run leader uh, in Royals history, Mike Moustakas, and the Todd father, a guy whose swing seems tailor-made for Fenway Park. I feel like he crushed us last year. This is completely unsubstantiated, and I haven't looked anything up, but it just for anecdotally, it seemed like he was getting a lot of big hits against us last year. So those those guys, I just wonder if you know potentially we could come in and you know as the off season kind of goes on and and you know their price continues to go down. You know, if if for some reason JD Martinez doesn't work out, you know we could swoop in and grab one of those guys, and I don't think that would be terrible. Obviously, I still think. You know, it's our market to lose with JD Martinez. I don't think there are there are any real uh, competitors with us. And Boris and Martinez, uh, you know, are, are trying to wait us out, and rightfully so. That's their job. Uh, and you know, it's good. This is definitely going to be JD Martinez's last big contract in his career, barring some shocking return to you know continued form well into his thirties. But you know, the, all the power to him. But I just don't think that anybody's out there. Uh, to rival us, you know. With that said, I still think that there, if for some reason this falls through, there are options for us uh, among other free agents and maybe through trades with the Brewers. Okay, so now back to the regularly scheduled podcast. I had a whole thing laid out, and obviously with the trades, I just felt like I had to address that, uh, and I kind of had some uh, related thoughts, and so here we are. Um, ooh, ooh, Celtics on the road in Denver right now. You know, obviously have to support all the Boston teams, getting some nice getting some nice love from Jalen Brown, that young production, love it in any sport. And, you know, here it's a great transition. You know, Red Sox just finished with arbitration for most of their guys. Uh, Carson Smith, Joe Kelly, Tyler Thornburg, Jackie Bradley Jr., Sandy Leon, Christian Vasquez, Eduardo Nunez, Stephen Wright, all, you know, uh, dealt with arbitration and uh, agreed to terms with Red Sox. The only, the only player on the Red Sox who are going to have to go to, they're going to have to go to arbitration court with is Mookie Betts, you know, obviously with Sandy and Christian Vazquez uh, re-upping with the Sox, you know, now we're pretty much locked in three catchers for this year, you know, and, and say what you want about Blake's, 
Blake Swihart, he's probably not going to be a catcher the most of the time, but we have three catchers on the roster. Um, and uh, and we're going to kind of talk about Blake Swihart soon, but, you know, it's good to see that the Red Sox, you know, avoiding arbitration with all these guys. You know, Stephen Wright, obviously, um, you know, the domestic violence incident uh, between him and his girlfriend earlier this winter, obviously... We, you know, he needs to sort that out. There were no charges pressed. Everything it, it seems like, based off of you know news reports that that um, Stephen Wright has apologized to uh, his significant other, <clears throat> and he's going to seek counseling. And obviously, you know that is a serious issue, um, not to be you know glossed over for baseball issues. But it seems you know you know, uh, knock on wood, that that is under control. I think it's fair to expect a suspension from the MLB, even though there was no uh, legal action. You know, it seems that, uh, you know, Stephen Wright and his girlfriend are on the same page. They're both in, in relationship uh, counseling, and good for them, because obviously this, this is something personal that they need to sort out, and any sort of domestic violence uh, needs to be um, uh pushed out of the Red Sox and baseball and all of our society uh, as soon as possible. Um, but for the Red Sox, <clears throat> you know, Stephen Wright will be a contributor, is as of now, penciled in to be our fifth or sixth starter at the beginning of the year, um, you know, pending a suspension, which I think will be uh, forthcoming as spring training progresses. Now, the most important part of this arbitration business is that the Red Sox shafted Mookie Betts, and I don't, I don't want to you know, say it any other way, they really just were not nice to him, and, and Mookie Betts is young, and loves our organization, loves the city, and the Red Sox are playing hardball with him over $3 million, and quite frankly, that's absurd, and I understand that good team-friendly contracts are the kinds of things that help you win uh, uh, World Series titles, <clears throat> but with that said, I don't think the Red Sox are going, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry before I even say this. But I don't think the Red Sox are going to be, you know, winning the World Series this year. There there are like four or five teams that are really at least, you know, a, a significant amount ahead of us. And more importantly, Mookie Betts having him committed to the organization long term is far more important than these three dollars. Putting these three three million three dollars. <laughs> if it was three dollars I would I would take off my Red Sox hat right now. That's absurd. That's some Marlin shit. But um, it, you know, over three million dollars to to show good faith to our best player, probably a top twenty best player in the league, probably you know on his day a top ten you know certainly hitter in the league. You know he you know you can make the argument for top ten player in the league period, and and to say that the we aren't going to give him these three million dollars, uh, it just it just seems petty, um, and not in the club's best interest. It does not you know show future Red Sox, future free agents, that we are willing to commit to our players who commit to us, which Mookie obviously has, and I, I just feel like, why? This is not this is not a big outlay, um, and let's call a spade a spade here, even if the Red Sox go over the luxury tax, the the penalty is so marginal, especially considering how, how large our revenue streams are, and we're not, we're not worried about going over the tax right now. It, it just seems like, you know, pushing labor down for pushing labor down's sake, and, and and I don't like that. I don't like that one bit. Now, obviously, before the arbitration hearing uh, 
was all sorted out. Brock Holt signed a new contract with the Red Sox, and um, it, that raised a few questions for me. One, obviously, that means that they were not uh, did not feel that Blake Swihart was ready to be that re- regular utility man. Devin Marrero, uh, the same, and. <clears throat> I just wonder where the Red Sox think all these at-bats are, are coming from. We've got a lot of guys who are going to be looking for at-bats. We've got Brock Holt. We've got Blake Swihart, um, Devin Marrero. And, you know, obviously, you know, when, when the Jackie... I'm sorry, not Jackie Bradley. Um, J.D. Martinez, thank you. Uh, spazzing out in the middle of my own podcast. You can't do that when you have no other hosts. Cannot. So, you know, without a J.D. Martinez signing, we already have guys vying for batting uh, time. And once J.D. Martinez comes in, then you have, you know, on the bench, we have Hanley Ramirez, we have Brock Holt, we have Blake Swihart, Devin Marrero, um, and, oh, and obviously Sandy Leon, you know, who's not going to be our everyday catcher and is going to be looking for some time potentially at DH. There are, there are not... You know enough at bats to go around. I'm just wondering now that Resan Bronco. I'm wondering where all these at bats are going to come from. Who is going to be you know foregoing these at bats? I wonder if you know. And this is complete speculation here. I wonder if that was you know the Red Sox kind of hedging their bets against J.D. Martinez coming to the Red Sox, knowing full well that we would have to do some shuffling. Um, and and having Brock Holt around would make it easier, and you know, to rest people, give give say uh, a Dustin Pedroia a day off in the field when he comes back from his injury. You know, bring him into um, you know to DH, give Hanley a day off. Bring you know Brock Holt can play left field. Give Benny uh, a day out from the field. You just don't know. I just wonder if the Red Sox were using this as an opportunity to hedge their bets. Um, and and kind of protect those at bats. Obviously, with Pedroia out for the beginning of the year, you know you can expect Rock Holt to get uh, a decent amount of at bats at that point in the season. But you know, long term, I just wonder what this means for you know uh, where the at bats are going to come from because Rock Holt, great clubhouse guy, really seems to be loved, but little upside he, he he's not the hitter he was when he was batting first second in the order you know three four years ago and <clears throat> he has health concerns i mean the, the dude you know all the you know best wishes to him but he he keeps getting concussions and and i'm worried that you know he, we're investing you know however much money but more importantly a roster spot in that bat and a guy who is not you know we know what we're going to get from him and and potentially you know he could deliver a little less than that so you know, very interesting. I, I did not expect us to re-sign Brock Holt, and, and seeing that happen uh, surprised me. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how those bench at-bats shake out. Now, it came to my attention that um, Fernando Abad, a guy who did not get so much uh, run out last year, is still a free agent. And, and when I say it came to my attention, I mean I, I noticed it uh, while I was trolling the Red Sox website trying to figure out what I was going to talk about today. And I just wonder, like, you know, we did not, I, you know, looking back, thinking back, I should say, before I did any research, I thought to myself, when was the highest leverage time that Fernando Abad got into a game last year, and I couldn't even think of one. Um, the the answer I came up with was, I said, like, oh, remember that time we, we were up 4-2 to two against the Mariners? It was like the bottom of the seventh in Safeco. 
Farrell brought him in, and he left up a curveball against Robinson Cano, and he raked a three-run dinger, and I looked back, and that was like two years ago, or whatever whatever season it was when when we first signed him. I'm looking at it now, 2016, right? So that was that was uh, two seasons ago, and um, and so I I wanted to do this thought exercise and see to myself, you know. Why do the Red Sox and, and teams in general um, insist on having these lefties in the back end of the pen just so they can say we have a lefty um, in the pen? Because, like, they, they never use them. And, you know, there's no reason to... Um, there's really no reason to have these guys there if we're not going to be you know comfortable using them in high-leverage situations. And so... I went to I went to the trusty uh, baseball reference uh, play index and I searched for um, uh, relief innings uh, relief pitchers through left-handed had uh, less than or equal to one save and uh, pitched at least 30 innings right so I got got in a decent amount over the course of a season um, and you know and I wanted to see who had the the lowest number, the least clutch pitched innings, and lo and behold, and so so you know it's just from my sample size was just from 2010 to 2017, so it was a few hundred, a few a couple hundred um, uh, pitchers appeared in the search, and you won't believe this. Fernando Abad is on every single season he's had. It's from 2010 to 2017 appeared on this search. He is never used in clutch situations, and 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 it boggles my mind that we had him on our team, employing him to supposedly be our guy, you know, our second guy after Robbie Ross to uh, to to face lefties out of the pen, and he literally came in in almost no clutch situations. And so I looked at. After seeing that, I, I, you know that's ridiculous, and, and I noticed that we basically only have one uh, lefty in the pen in in Robbie, and I, I was like, oh well, maybe maybe the Red Sox will think about you know signing a lefty for the bullpen, uh, and and I so I first looked at uh, remaining free agents, and we've got guys like Brett Cecil, Oliver Perez, um, Wade Miley. Not that he's a relief pitcher, but he could definitely appear as a relief pitcher. Um, uh, Francisco Liriano, uh, where were the other ones? And um, oh, Jaime Garcia, and oh, <laughs> Jaime Garcia, who I still owe an apology for. Oh, Brian Dunsing, sure, sure. Right, these guys who, 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 off the top of your head, if I just asked you about those guys, you would say, oh yeah, lefty pitcher, not good. Still surprised that they're in the they're in the big leagues. And and lo and behold. Three out of the top four uh, least clutch left-handed relief pitchers uh, had their least clutch seasons last year. Brett Cecil, free agent, minus 2.2 clutch ometer, whatever that means. Uh, you can look that up. WPA clutch, according to the baseball index. Right, Craig Breslow, former Red Sox great. Minus 1.7 clutch. Tony Sipp, minus 1.6. All this in 2017. And, oh, here we go. Number 10, 
whoever this guy is, Daniel Columbe, right? Another one. It just it boggles my mind that these guys have jobs, and I sincerely hope that the Red Sox don't uh, sign one of these kinds of guys to our bullpen just so we can say we have a lefty in there. Um, it, it, it's just it's a bizarre baseball thing. It's such a you know the baseball it's so tradition based it's really really backwards and i know you know stats are, are all the rage but we still do so many things in baseball that are just bizarre and like really counter to um counter to what you it, you would think is smart i mean these are just bad pitchers who are getting jobs specifically because they throw with their left hand no other reason really no other reason and and it, it's surprising and i sincerely hope that we don't sign this guys you know i hope they have much success um and if we do sign one of those guys i'll do nothing but root for them um but you know i see no reason for us to sign them and i and if we do sign them i will see no reason you know i have no reason to expect anything other than you know mop-up innings in the fifth or sixth of games where we're already down three five or nine you know okay a couple uh, assorted Red Sox things. Hanley uh, thinks we can be World Series champions, and, and I'm glad because that makes one of us. Um, and, and and I quote, he says, "You just gotta hit." You know, th- people asked him uh, um, about you know what would happen if J.D. Martinez comes in. He was like, "You just gotta hit," and I was like, "Yes, you want to you want to be a DH. Literally, you just gotta hit. You couldn't do that last year, but you just gotta hit. So do me a favor. Regardless of whether or not J.D. Martinez comes in, I really hope, I sincerely hope. Ooh, a lot of sincere sincerity today. Uh, I hope that he, you know, he'll put the bat on the ball this year a little more than he did last year. Chris Sale working out with Jason Grome. Love to see that. Um, one of the things that you know w- made it possible for us to get Jason Jay Grome uh, in the draft at, at the 12th slot last year was you know he had attitude problems. And obviously Chris Sale has had a couple of run-ins with you know his former organization, the White Sox, uh, with attitude problems. But those you know really boiled down to him wanting to win. And I think. You know, his attitude, especially this past year, where he just walks out, gets a job done, does it better than anybody else, does it longer than anybody else. Like, I, you know, I couldn't think of anybody better to work with Sale, uh, to work with Jay Grom. <clears throat> Losing my voice, getting a little sick here. Um, and so, you know, and it's nice in terms of the organizational structure just to see that we have... Um, you know, a connection between the top-level guys and the guys who haven't even reached, you know, double-A, triple-A. It's, uh, it's a nice thing, you know, that we can preach to our up-and-coming prospects and future prospects. It's a nice thing. Michael Chavis, the number four third baseman prospect for MLB.com, loves to see that. Um, I wonder if, you know, he or Sam Travis are going to, you know, come in next year after Hanley and... Um, Rav Mitch, I'm sorry, Mitch Moreland are gone. You know who's going to be getting those those uh, at bats at first base. What you wonder if you know JD Martinez when he when if and when he comes here, maybe he'll come in and start getting some at bats at first base. Um, but Michael Chavis, you know, real real good stick. Love to see him getting the recognition, and uh, you know, wouldn't surprise me if he comes up uh, and is a bench bat. You know, midsummer, late summer, because quite frankly, I don't. It doesn't look like you know the Red Sox are going to have much good, much good, reliable hitting from the bench, uh, other than Hanley. You know, presumably when JD Martinez or some other DH comes in, uh, we're looking at Brock Holt, Blake Swihart, Sandy Leon. Those those are guys. You know, good guys. 
I, I bet you they'd be nice to have a beer with. But if you know, I want a home run. I don't think the, you know those are going to be the guys. And and Michael Chavis has a real nice hit tool. Wonder if he you know could potentially be that guy to come give us some pop off the bench. Um, looking forward uh, further as we get closer to the season, we're going to do some schedule analysis. Uh, Storylines will emerge as they emerge, but I want to take a look at the Red Sox schedule and wonder if you know even before the season starts, there are moments when we can say, hey, you know. If we can get you know a 500 record in this two three week stretch, you know that would be really good because you know we're traveling uh, so much or we're playing so many games in so many days. I remember in the Celtics season, you know we the Celtics played more than half their games. They played like seven games more than every other team in the first half of the season because they went and played in London. It wouldn't surprise me. You know the Red Sox aren't playing in London, uh, but due to the scheduling, you know there could be a you know a month long period or. Um, you know, a three weeks period where we're on a road trip and you know we get one day off in 26 days, like happened last September. Um, and so we're going to take a look at that. Um, <clears throat> also, potentially, uh, we're going to have uh, a look into spring training. Might even get some live pods from Arizona. Uh, you know, pending uh, work time off. Yes, obviously, I uh, I host host. <laughs> I work a day job. Um, but looking forward to more things uh, happening, you know, in terms of free agents uh, falling into place and more Red Sox news. Uh, but for now, uh, this is Tyler Levitt signing off of Bo Sox Crazy Podcast. Stay crazy, stay brazy. Let's go, Sox.